Well, let's take our Bibles now and turn to the book of Exodus. We're turning to Exodus chapter 12 this morning, and we're going to read verses 29 to 42 of that chapter. You'll find our reading on pages 54 and 55 of the Blue Pew Bibles, pages 54 and 55, and we're reading Exodus chapter 12 from verse 29 down to verse 42. Uh, We covered some of the material that we're going to read last week in church, uh, but we're going to look at this story again this morning, the, the story of the 10th plague and then the exodus from Egypt. So Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 29, reading down to verse 42. This is God's word to us. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, For they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewellery and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Well, you'll find it immeasurably helpful at this point to turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. Uh, We're going to think about the verses that we read earlier in our service for a few moments this morning. You'll find them on pages 54 and 55 of the Pew Bibles. And as you're turning to Exodus chapter 12, let's uh, pray for a moment together. Lord, as we pray to you in these moments, we realize that there is a higher throne and that you're the God who is reigning on high. But we thank you that you're not distant and removed from us and that you have given us your word, and that you speak to us through your word by your spirit. And it's our earnest and deep prayer this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage those of us who know and love you, and that you would also challenge those who haven't yet trusted in the Savior. 
We pray that you'd be with us in these moments and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been in Bukna for five years in a few weeks' time. Among other things, I have had an education in the language of the braid in the past five years. I can't count the number of words or phrases that I've learned or picked up since moving to this part of the world. But one word that I'm pretty sure I knew before I moved was the word thran. You know the word, don't you? Thran. You ever thran? I have, a, I have a book at home called The Hamley Tongue, written by James Fenton. It's really just a dictionary of Ulster Scott's words, and there's an entry for thra or thran, and there's also some examples of how the words are used. So here's what it says. Thra, to be awkward or intractable, to be giving, to get given to her splitting. And then there's an example. You never saw his match for twisting and thran. And then thran, the definition is awkward, and there are two examples. He's as thran as a donkey, and it's yin thran job. Are you ever thran? What kind of things do you get thran about? We can all be a bit thran at times. I know I can. Let, let, let me tell you a story about someone who was thran. H Harry Truman was born in West Virginia in October 1896. He, he ended up living near Washington, and his family acquired some land there. He served in the U.S. Army during World War I, but apart from that, his early life was reasonably uneventful. As he grew older, he grew tired of civilization and leased 50 acres of land which overlooked Spirit Lake in the wilderness near Mount St. Helens, the, the volcano. He settled at the foot of the mountain and opened a petrol station and a shop. He also opened Mount St. Helens Lodge, which he operated for 52 years. He was a bit of a rogue, he was married three times. His second marriage was short as he reportedly attempted to win arguments by throwing his wife into Spirit Lake despite the fact she couldn't swim. He was also a low-level criminal and became a notorious pain for the National Park Service. He poached, he stole gravel, and he fished with false documents. When the local government changed their rate of tax, Truman kept it the same. A tax agency employee once rented a boat from him but he refused to pay his tax rate, so Truman pushed him into Spirit Lake. There are other anecdotes about him, but the long and short of it is that he was a bit thran. He was an awkward customer, a difficult guy. And from, from what we know of him, he, he had no interest in spiritual things. Spiritually speaking, he was thran, awkward and intractable. Spiritual thranness. That, that, that's not a quality or characteristic that any of us should desire. Because what spiritual thranness is, is simply a rejection of God and his words. It's hard to say for definite if Harry Truman was spiritually thran right up until his death, but one person's spiritual thranness isn't in doubt. In the book of Exodus, Pharaoh stands as the epitome of spiritual thranness. Throughout the early chapters of this book, Pharaoh is awkward and difficult towards God. He is hostile, and antagonistic towards the Lord. We, we, we've returned to Exodus over the past number of weeks. We did a big picture overview of the plagues at our pre-communion service. Last Sunday, we looked at the story of the Passover and what that means for us in light of the New Testament and the coming of Jesus. This week, we're going to be thinking about spiritual thranness. Specifically, we're going to be thinking about, about Pharaoh's spiritual journey. His journey could be described as 
as one of spiritual thrandness. And what we're going to think about is where it gets you and what the alternative is. Uh, along the way, we're going to point out characteristics of spiritual thrandness. First of all, then, spiritual thrandness, where does it get you? We're, we're going to track Pharaoh's spiritual journey, and that means we need to go back as far as Exodus chapter 5. F Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. No one told him what to do. He, he was the one who gave the orders. In Exodus 5, Moses and Aaron turn up and say that God says, let my people go. In response, Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. It's quite literally a case of starting as you mean to go on. Moses speaks to Pharaoh on various occasions, and in Exodus 6.30, Moses asks God, how will Pharaoh listen to me? God replies and says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. The, the issue in the accounts of Moses speaking to Pharaoh is not whether Pharaoh will listen to Moses, it's whether Pharaoh will listen to God. Th throughout the story, we're told that Pharaoh does not and will not listen. Exodus 7.13 is a good example. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. He would not listen to them. We tend to use this as a description of children, but in fact, it could be a description of our culture. People today will not listen to the word of God, and that's a characteristic of spiritual thrandness. Christians sometimes talk about turning a conversation towards spiritual things. You'll know about that if you're a Christian. There have been times when you've tried to share the good news of the gospel with someone, but the reality is that people who aren't Christians are very good at turning the conversation away from spiritual issues. Underlying this is Pharaoh's question, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Well, why should I let God meddle in my affairs? Why should I let someone else have the final say in my life? And Christians aren't immune to saying things like that. We can try to limit our obedience. Instead of throwing ourselves into God's service, we try and limit what we, what we do. What's the least that I can get away with? How far do I have to go? Why should I deny my feelings? God is not surprised by Pharaoh's refusal to listen. He predicted it in Exodus 3, 19. He said, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. In Exodus 7, 4 and 5, God predicts that Pharaoh's spiritual thrandness will continue despite the plagues. And that's what happens. After each of the nine plagues, we're told about, about Pharaoh's spiritual condition. Three times we're told that Pharaoh's heart became hard, was hard, and was unyielding. Three times we're told that Pharaoh hardened his heart. There's a kind of madness to Pharaoh's actions. Calamity after calamity is inflicted on Egypt, but he refuses to submit. At one point, his officials beg him to relent, Exodus 10 verse 7, but he keeps on inviting more suffering on his country. He cannot concede because his pride is at stake. And that's another characteristic of spiritual thrandness. Pride. Not willing to say you're wrong or that you've done anything wrong. It's insane. But, but God also hardens Pharaoh's heart. There's a kind of tension here. Pharaoh hardens his heart, but, but God hardens his heart. After the sixth, eighth, ninth, and tenth plagues, we're told that the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. Exodus 11, 9 and 10 is a summary statement. It says this, 
It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel out of his land. Pharaoh is spiritually thran and refuses to listen because he hardens his own heart. But Exodus also tells us that Pharaoh refused to listen because the Lord hardens his heart. And we have to take both of these perspectives seriously. Pharaoh determines Pharaoh's actions and God determines his actions. To put it another way, Pharaoh freely chooses to do what God had freely chosen that he would do. Now there's mystery here. The Bible tells us that God has reached down into the depths of eternity before the foundation of the world to choose those he would save. Spiritual thranness can be of our own choosing on the one hand, but God's choosing on the other hand. We don't know the mind of God, and we don't know who who he has chosen to save. Therefore, the gospel is freely offered to everyone, but, but only some will believe. We thought about that last week. Pharaoh's spiritual journey was his own choosing, but it was also the plan of God. And by Exodus 12, Pharaoh has had enough. His engagement with God, however hostile, begins to come to an end. Following the final plague, the death of the firstborn throughout the land, Pharaoh summons, summons Moses and Aaron. Let, listen to what he says to them in Exodus 12, 31 and 32. He says, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Now these verses are heavy with irony. Here's the most powerful man in the world being rudely awakened to face things that are totally out of of his control, including the death of his oldest son. At one point, Pharaoh tells Moses that he never wants to see his face again, Exodus 10, 28, but here he calls for him in the middle of the night. Pharaoh also refers to the Israelites as the people of Israel. He never called them that. He called them his slaves and refused to recognize their rights. But that's another characteristic of spiritual thranness, contradicting yourself, tying yourselves up in knots simply to continue in your rejection of God. That's Pharaoh's spiritual journey. Where does it get him? Well, in the end, it gets him absolutely nowhere. He pits himself against God. He goes to great lengths to frustrate the plans and purposes of God. But what happens? He ends up on the losing side. Pharaoh's little concession speech is a warning to anyone who chooses to resist God's will. For all his hardness of heart, for all the times he told God no, and all the times he said yes but never followed through, Pharaoh gained nothing. In the end, he had to accept everything on God's terms anyway. So why not give in to God in the first place? The lesson is that it's much better not to resist God's claim in your life, but to simply accept his plan and his purpose. Spiritual thranness. Where does it get you? It gets you absolutely nowhere. You you, you might think that freedom is not listening to the word of God. You might think that freedom is being able to say that everything you do is always right. You, you, You might think that freedom is the ability to contradict yourself whenever you want. But that's not freedom. That's thranness. Spiritual thranness. And it gets you nowhere. 
Well, what's the alternative though? Spiritual thrandness, where does it get you? Spiritual thrandness, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is very simple. It's to turn to the Lord in faith. At the critical moment, the people of Israel believe in the Lord. Exodus 12, 28 tells us, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. The battle between God and Pharaoh reaches its deadly conclusion in verses 33 to 42. Pharaoh gives Moses, Aaron, and the Israelites permission to go, and the entire nation of Egypt is behind the decision. Verse 33 tells us that the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. The Israelites get out, they leave in haste, a haste symbolized by the fact that there's no time for their dough to rise, verse 34 and verse 39. And all of this happens according to God's plan. And it's incredible because the Egyptians don't let them go reluctantly. They basically pay for them to leave. Verse 37 tells us that they give them silver, gold, and clothing, the spoils of victory that God has won for his people. About 600,000 men leave, but that doesn't include women and children. Now, there's been a lot of debate about the exact number of people who left Egypt. If it was 600,000 men, and that doesn't include women and children, you're probably talking close to 2 million people. Their numbers were increased by a mixed multitude, verse 38, following them. Some people maybe took advantage of the act of liberation, but some maybe came to share in Israel's faith. After all, God had sent the plagues so that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. People have debated the figures, the number of people who left, but the truth is we we can't know for certain. All, All we know is what we're told in verse 41. All the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Every last person belonging to the Lord left Egypt that night. The alternative to spiritual thrandness is faith. Faith in the God who delivers. Faith in the God who provides a way out. Quite literally in this story. Faith in the God who knows and who is with his people. There's a beautiful picture of that in verse 42. The alternative to spiritual thrandness is faith in the God who watches over his people. Verse 42 says, It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. Verse 42 is not telling us that God planned the exodus and then stayed up all night because he was worried that it might not go so well. Verse 42 is not telling us that God thought that his plans might fail. Verse 42 is telling us that in a special, particular way, he watched over his people to bring them out of Egypt to deliver them. Now, how does that connect with us? What do we find when we turn to the pages of the New Testament? Well, we find that God has done the exact same, only in a greater way. Think about it. Instead of watching over Jesus, God allowed his wrath to be poured out on him. His only son, given over to the judgment he didn't deserve. Brutally put upon a cross from which he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The the alternative to spiritual thrandness, spiritual pride, spiritual darkness, is to put your faith in Jesus, the lamb who has died in our place. Jesus, the one who has died for people who are spiritually thran, all all our thranness, all our awkwardness, all our difficulty, 
is dealt with through his obedience. The story of his life is the story of willing submission and obedience to his heavenly father. And through his obedience, through his death and resurrection, we can be delivered from spiritual thrandness to spiritual life. We can know the protective, watchful presence of God forever. Through Jesus, through trusting in him, the Lord will keep our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Spiritual thrandness, where does it get you? Absolutely nowhere. Spiritual thrandness, what's the alternative? Turning to Christ in faith, trusting and believing in Jesus, the lamb who has died and who has shed his blood for our sins. Thra, to be awkward or intractable, to be given to her splitting, you never saw his match for twisting and thran. Thran, awkward. He's as thran as a donkey, and it's yin thran job. You ever thran? What kind of things do you get thran about? We can all be a bit thran at times, I know I can. Are you spiritually thran though? Are you as thran as a donkey when it comes to talking about the gospel? We started with a story about someone who was thran. We're going to finish in the same way. Same man, different story. Harry Truman lived in the shadow of Mount St. Helens, the volcano. His home was just five miles north of the mountain. In May 1980, geologists noticed warning signs that Mount St. Helens would blow up in a colossal eruption of ash and fire. Truman heard the warnings broadcast on radio and television. Friends contacted him, urging him to flee, but Harry refused to listen. It became, it became known as Harry versus the volcano. He was quoted as saying, if the mountain goes, I'm going with it. He became something of a cult hero. Media representatives, representatives kept entering the restricted zone around the mountain to speak to him. He became known as the little man who stood up to the big, bad mountain. In the end, though, the mountain, the, the mountain won. Uh, at 8.31 a.m. on the 18th of May, 1980, the mountain exploded. The boom was heard 200 miles away. Near Truman's house, a black plume of hot ash, 100 stories tall, went charging down the mountain at 350 miles per hour. The intense heat twisted 250-foot fir trees like scraps of plastic in a campfire. Everything within 150 square miles was flattened. And afterwards, no sign of Harry Truman was found. He was exposed to a calamity that he had foolishly denied and he could easily have escaped until the moment it came. He was Thran. Tr Tr Truman's story is a sad one, but it's a powerful illustration of what happens when you're spiritually Thran. It's a powerful il illustration of the end result. When you're spiritually Thran, when you don't listen to the word of God, when you won't admit that you're wrong or that you've done anything wrong, when you contradict yourself and tie yourself up in knots about spiritual issues, when you're spiritually Thran, you're running the risk of being exposed to the calamity of God's sure and final judgment, of being exposed to a calamity that you have foolishly denied and that you could easily escape if you would only trust in Jesus. 
Exodus 12 and the spiritual journey of Pharaoh stands as a warning in the Bible. It stands as a warning to those who are spiritually thran, who, people who think that they'll be all right despite the Bible's clear message that, that unless you're covered by the blood of the Lamb, you will not stand through the judgment of God. One, one final thing. In your thranness, you might be thinking, so what? You, you, you're not talking about me. There's a seemingly insignificant detail in verses 29 to 32. The verses that tell us about the death of the firstborn. We're told that the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. The seemingly insignificant detail reminds us that everyone is accountable to God. One day we will all stand before him, the high and the low, the rich and the poor, the sinners and the saints, from the dungeon to the throne. No one will escape. No one will be granted an exception. No one will receive any special treatment. What matters to God is whether we turn from our spiritual thranness and have faith in the sacrifice of his son. That those who trust in the blood of Christ will receive eternal life. Those who don't will be finally and fatally lost. Are you ever thran? What kind of things do you get thran about? We can all be a bit thran at times. I know I can. But are you spiritually thran? Are you as thran as a donkey when it comes to thinking about, talking about, engaging with the gospel? Exodus 12 shows you where spiritual thran gets you, thranness gets you. But, but it also points you to the alternative, to Jesus, to the one who has died for people who are spiritually thran. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for recording the spiritual journey of Pharaoh, a journey which stands as a warning to us. And we do pray this morning that we wouldn't be those who are spiritually thran, but that we would be those who, who turn to Jesus receive the salvation he offers and follow you with all of our hearts. Father, we confess that even as believers, we can be a bit thran about your purposes and your ways and your will for our lives. We pray that you would rid that sin from us and help us to trust you with all of our lives. And Father, we pray that you'd speak to those who are spiritually thran, who haven't yet trusted in Jesus, who continue to resist your call on their lives we pray that you would speak today and bring people to trust in Jesus for the first time. And we pray these things in his precious name. Amen.